0: What's up, Um, (laughs) y'all? What's going on? Uh, My name is Herman Colas. I'm a covenant member here at the Well, uh, and I am a member of the Springdale CG, and yeah, yeah, uh, and I serve on the production team. (laughs) Uh, Today, we're going to be reading Genesis 26, verses 12 through 25, out of the ESV. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had uh, stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed and from there, uh, so Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well, Esek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name, Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name, Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right, people of God, what up? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Come on. I know y'all had soul. Shoot. Today is a special day. If you are new, it is the Wells' 10-year birthday. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. Uh, A couple of things right off the bat. Uh, First of all, we ain't celebrating today all right? Uh, I have two daughters that were both born in September, about 10 days apart. And every single year, we only throw one birthday because we ain't got two birthday party money. And so we're going to hold off our celebration until we move to the east side in a couple of months and celebrate then. And so we'll plan some fun stuff for that. So uh, you can save your cupcakes till then, all right? Um, Secondly, God is good, amen? Um, Listen, y'all, like, Most church plants, they they don't make it, okay? Sorry, Travis, wherever you're at. Um, And a lot of churches, they actually didn't even make it through COVID. And this ain't like a, but we did, right? Like, not like that at all. Uh, God is good. Like, I mean that sentence when I say that, that God has been gracious to us. Like, listen, what Huli was up here saying, y'all know she was the very first person that ever did hosting at the well 10 years ago, uh, and then she hated it and didn't do it for another eight years, and now she's doing it again, all right? Um, but uh, I found so much life through the well as well, like she said. Like, my kids are loving Jesus in part because of people that are pouring into them here at the well. Like, I have deep friendships because of the well. And so there's so much that I could say here, but what I really really want to say is God is good. Like he is good to give us this church, okay? And so next week we're actually starting a series in the Gospels that uh, I'm actually really excited for. Can I give you all just like a really quick sneak peek into it? Yeah, Um, So we're gonna walk through the synoptic gospels that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That word synoptic just means it's a Latin word that kind of is like through the same lens. And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell very similar stories. You'll see parallel stories often throughout it. But each of those gospel writers, they also tell unique stories, stories that are individual to just them. They tell parables and healings that are only found in Matthew or only found in Luke. And so we're gonna take those individual kind of unique, unique stories and show why they're special to the authors that wrote them and kind of show what they mean for us as well, because each of us is unique. And while a lot of us share very similar stories, they're synoptic in that sense. There's also unique stories in each of our life as well. And so we're going to kind of tie that in together. All right. But being that it's our 10 year anniversary, uh, even though we ain't eating no cake today, uh, I do want to look at kind of where we've been I wanna look at where we are going, uh, and I wanna celebrate this together. So we cool with that? But Genesis 26, we're gonna be camping out, kind of having fun in this passage today. Uh, I'm gonna completely reverse the norm of what I usually do in my style. And I'm gonna share a story first about why we're studying this passage in particular so that you won't be like, this is a really random passage for a 10 year anniversary, all right? Um, When I was a freshman in college many moons ago, um, I was reading through the Bible in a year and I came across this passage. And I feel like the Lord very, very, very plainly just straight up said to me, "Uh, this is your call in life as well. And I felt like I had already gotten a call from the Lord into ministry, but I felt like he was individualizing this passage that we just read, and I wasn't really sure why, to be honest with you. As I was looking through it, it kind of seemed like a lame passage to be my call into ministry, so I felt kind of salty about it, right? Like, God, give me the passage about, like, conquering giants or something, right? And um, the very next day, a good friend of mine, she said, hey, I was praying for you last night and I feel like the Lord told me that you are like Isaac. And it was funny because I had just read this the night before and I was also kind of salty about that because Abraham's like this beast of the faith and Jacob, he's ratchet, but he did some cool things too. Isaac is like this middleman, right? So I was like, I ain't like Isaac, all right? And so, uh, but I went back and I started reading this passage and it was really clear what I felt like the Lord was saying to me the next night. I felt like he was saying, what I want you to do is what Isaac did here, You see, Isaac was redigging these wells that his father Abraham had built, but all of this dirt had been thrown into these wells. And Isaac went with patience and with longevity, with perseverance. He cleared out the wells to get back to the fresh water. And there are many people who have cleared the way for us to to see Jesus, to be able to honor him and to love him and to know him. But it's been muddied over time. The, The church has gotten muddied, but there's a way that church can be beautiful. The The scriptures have gotten muddy. They've been about us, but there's a way that we can see Christ. There's all of this mud, and I want you to patiently and with perseverance clear that out to get back to the fresh water again. And so God used this passage to speak to me about something that he was calling me into. And to be candid, I didn't even really know what that meant. I didn't know what gospel centrality was. I didn't know that Christ was in all of the scriptures. Like, Like, I didn't know this. I just felt like the Lord was telling me that. About three years ago, uh, I was resharing this story with somebody, and they were like, oh, is that why you named the well, the well? No, (laughs) I had never connected these stories, y'all our church have been in existence for seven years. And I was like, this is the well, this is crazy, right? And so literally I was like, man, and it kind of re-sparked some encouragement. And so God actually providentially used that to encourage me right before COVID. Like it was literally three years ago and I was like, okay, like there's some patience that needs to go. There's some perseverance that needs to go, but we need to keep getting back to the waters again. And then even this week, he used it to really reaffirm in me who the well is and what he's calling us into. And so I've really grown to adore this really random passage in the Bible, Uh, and I hope honestly over time that there's different random passages in the Bible that God speaks to your heart about as well, that he gives you call, or you vision, or you encouragement, or you protection, or you uh, something from pieces of scripture that honestly wouldn't make it on a coffee mug, and so I hope that you find encouragement in that. Okay, so let's chop it up. Let's see how this passage shows us uh, our story as a church, and then really how it applies to us individually as well. And what I'm hoping is that you kind of get some personal vision from this and then that we can apply this broadly at large, okay? And so pick it up in verse 12. Isaac sowed, or planted, if you will, in a land, and that Lord gave him a hundredfold. Now, when we planted the well, we felt like God told us to plant 100 churches, to multiply it 100-fold, and what do you know, it's in this passage as well. The amount of parallels, y'all, I don't know how I can see this, all right? And so, uh, but just, uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you probably would think that isn't that much of a coincidence because 100-fold is like biblical language, uh, but outside of two kind of main stories in the Bible, the, the famous story about the parable of the seeds and then us receiving a hundredfold for following Jesus, this is the only other time in the Bible that that word is used. And so a hundredfold isn't really biblical language. We say it because of the parable, but, but it's not really common in the scriptures. And so Isaac went and he multiplied 100 times what he had began with, and we felt like God was calling us to do that as a church as well. But also individually, I feel like God was calling me to multiply 100 disciples, that faithful men and women that love Jesus from my personal work, not like broadly, but like me. And so God is using this to kind of tie all of these things Things together, In fact, y'all, Isaac sowed in a land that wasn't his, this text says. It says in that land, right? And then God brought forth a hundredfold what he had sowed. And we're trying to plant a hundred churches in land that isn't ours in that sense either. We're trying to push back darkness, to make much of the name of Jesus, to, to gain ground, in a sense, in enemy territory because Jesus is worthy, He is worthy of our praise. And in fact, y'all, even just to kind of emphasize this statement some, when we first planted in East Austin, there was a study that was done by Ed Stetzer. And he found out that in our area of East Austin, right where we're moving back to in a few months, uh, that that area was about 5% churched, okay? Now, at the time, uh, mainland China was also about 5% churched. And I remember thinking, man, if I said to people, hey, I'm moving to China to be a missionary, they'd be like, man, what a sacrifice. But if I'm like, I'm moving to East Austin, they're like, cool. Right, And yet it was just as unreached, in a sense, as even foreign nations that had a hard time receiving the gospel. Now, there's more access here, and yet there was no gospel work that was happening. And so we were truly trying to take land, in a sense, of what was not ours, of what the enemy was trying to win. And Isaac did that, in a sense, as well, as he was following God's call on his life. Now, notice who it is that blessed Isaac here in this passage. It says, the Lord did. Now, Isaac, it wasn't because he was a dope farmer that he was blessed and multiplied a hundredfold. It was because God was a benevolent giver. The well, despite the many, many challenges that we have been through, even over this past year, is a relatively healthy church, y'all. And it's not because Paul Carlson is a dope elder, even though he is, even though he probably doesn't even know what the word dope means, right? (laughs) it's not because we have dope elders. It's because God is a generous God, a benevolent giver. He is the one that blesses. He builds and he tears down. So anything that is a work of God has to be coming from God. And so any good that we receive is because the Lord is gracious, family. And so if you've received any amount of blessing, it is coming from God himself. And so the Lord here in this story and here in this church is the one that is bringing the blessing. Therefore, it should be the Lord that is worshiped. It should be the Lord that is followed. It should be the Lord that is submitted to or honored or glorified or praised, not any human or any organization ever, family of God. It is the Lord that brings goodness. And so Isaac is receiving this blessing from the Lord, and then it says he got rich, right? Isaac was bringing in that scrilla, and he had all these servants, is what it says here. Now, while we ain't rich as a church, in fact, we'd be broke sometimes, y'all, all right? Uh, But the Lord has given us many laborers or servants in that sense as well that's helping bringing others the love of Christ where other people can now find depth or blessing at our church. And so another way that corporately I feel like we are fulfilling some of this story. In fact, every single time, y'all, that we bring in like a candidate from like the outside or we have people visiting or even during the Partner in the Gospel series, people's comments are always like, where, how did y'all have, why do y'all have so many leaders in your church? Like people that are like coordinators or, or CG hosts like here, like that they would be like elders at some of these other churches. Like God has really blessed y'all abundantly. And I believe a lot of the blessing that you and I receive is because of the servants that are here at the well that are building as well. And so Isaac wasn't receiving this blessing because he was dope. It was because God was good. But he also wasn't receiving it because he was doing it himself there were all these other people that were bringing forth the promise of God. So is true with the corporate church as well. And so Isaac here, he's making dough. The Philistines get jealous. Isaac is prospering in their land. They don't like that. No one wants an enemy prospering in in their territory. And so the Philistines, what they do is they start making moves here. They take dirt and they begin to throw it into Isaac's wells. Petty. That's so petty, y'all. These dudes kicked his ball on the roof, was like, you ain't playing with that no more, right? So petty, but also just annoying in some senses, isn't it? Like, not to get ahead of myself, but does the enemy ever just attack you in like really annoying ways, y'all, right? Like, it's like straight up, yo, that's what you gonna do to me? I think about my own life, even in this season. It is no secret, I've said this multiple times, this has been one of the hardest seasons, if not the hardest season in my adult life. We can go through all different church-related stuff or personal stuff and even just moving around and, and even physical stuff. Like I have to do rehab because all these different injuries I have. Like, and so it's just been a really hard time. And one of the things I haven't been able to do is like play basketball and just kind of like outlet in that sense. And so I was working out probably about a month and a half ago or so, and I'm just, like, lifting weights. I ain't gonna tell you what I was doing, okay? But uh, I was there, I was lifting, and I was listening to 30 Minutes with the Perrys, and I was listening to this, like, really serious episode. It was really, really serious, and out of nowhere, Jackie Hill Perry gave this extremely hilarious and extremely ghetto joke, and in the middle of me working, I laughed, and because I laughed while I was straining, I tore part of my abdominal wall. And then it hurt to laugh, y'all. And it's like already a hard season and I couldn't laugh for a while. And I was bitter at the enemy, yo. It felt like he was just throwing dirt in my well, right, with your petty self. And so the enemy, he'd be petty sometimes, y'all. Now, it might just be that I had bad form, all right, um, but it felt like he was petty. And so uh, the enemy probably does this to you as well, family. And we should actually watch out for that. It could have just been a thing. It could have just been something that happened. But when I start listing every single thing that's going on, it's like that just feels like another little thing in the well. And so here the Philistines are doing that. And Isaac could have really easily bailed out, but he didn't, as we'll see in this story. No matter what attacks were being thrown at him, he persevered. And so no matter what attacks are being thrown thrown at you, family of God, the call of the scripture is to endure and to persevere. Amen. Amen. And so Isaac then has to bail out because that king of the land was asking him to leave. Uh, verse 18 is a pivotal verse for our time, so I'm actually gonna circle back to that one in a few. But Isaac leaves, and then he and his servants, they do the very same things they know how to do. In verse 19 and onwards, they go and they dig some more wells. In fact, that word there, he found a well of spring water. That word spring water is actually the Hebrew word for living water. We'll put a pin in that and come back to the Christ Point in a minute, but he's finding this living water for his life and for his family. Now, Isaac likely didn't even really realize what he was doing here, y'all. Like, let's step back and let's actually humanize the story. Isaac was a man like you and I, with servants like you and I. He probably didn't realize how what he was doing was fulfilling the promises of God. You see, God had promised Abraham the promised land. He promised him that there would be a land that he and his people would raise up and that from that land would come the blessing of the nations. The Messiah would be born through Abraham's offspring. And so Isaac probably just thinks he's being faithful here and yet God is using this to bring about Israel's future redemption. And so often, family of God, our simple faithfulness today is a promise fulfilled for others in the future, beloved. We need to be faithful, is what this text is highlighting. And so Isaac here, he's being faithful, maybe not even realizing his fulfillment, and then some more haters come, right? The Girites, they start hating and they're claiming that it's their wells, petty, right? This is my well, okay? I'm telling you, the enemy be like that sometimes, y'all, petty tale, okay? Um, Now, I want to sit in this for a second, because I think we could focus on the blessing of God, which is clear in this text, but the Bible also makes clear that there's opposition in the midst of this blessing as well. You see, Isaac is doing what God has called him to do, and while there's blessing in this, there's also opposition in this as well, family, No matter where Isaac went, he actually faced opposition. And no matter what opposition he faced, the Lord still blessed him. And so God's blessing did not prevent opposition, but opposition also did not prevent God's blessing. Y'all feel me? And so at times, you will be doing the very thing that God has called you to do in life. And there will be a mixture of great blessing and great opposition at the same time. There will be great suffering and great trial and yet great reward in Christ's presence as well. And so trials do not mean that God is not present, and blessing does not mean that trials are not present. Often, when you are doing the will of God, you will get a sense of God's pleasure and his passion and his presence, but also a sense of the enemy's opposition simultaneously, family. In other words, there's going to be contention in your life, family. Period. Right? Like like whether you're following whatever plan that God has for you, whether you're digging wells like our brother Isaac, or whether you're planting the well like many of us have done, or, or whatever you may be doing that God has called you personally to do, there's going to be contention in the midst of that uh, pursuit, family. There will be enemies that will rise up, enemies within your own friends, within the outside world, within your own family. There will be enemies within your own heart. Your own self will often fight yourself, family. There's going to be contention if you are trying to follow God's will for your life that will try to destroy the plans that God has for you. And part of your job is to stand strong against that contention, family, to continue to build no matter what opposition you face. Y'all hear me? You need to continue to build. So, so continue to build into your marriage no matter what contention arises up. Continue to build into your coworker. Continue to build into your future family or into your friendships or into this church or into your purity or or into God's kingdom. Whatever it might be, continue to build into it, but also know as you're building into it, there will be wars that begin to rage that will try to get you to stop building, family. Don't stop building, family. Continue to press in. Um, um, so that y'all don't think I'm just emphasizing kind of like one random point in this text, the Bible does a really interesting play on words here. It, it slows down at this moment and zooms into this particular perspective. Isaac names these wells Esek, which means contention, and then Sitna, which means enmity. And these names are kind of prophetic in a sense. When you see names in the Bible, the Bible's highlighting them for a reason. Often we're like, how is every name in the Bible like perfect? It's because the Bible's highlighting them, right? There are millions of characters, you don't see their name, but when it's important, the Bible will highlight it. And so it's highlighting something here. This is prophetic because I believe whenever you're establishing God's plan on earth, there will likely be Esek and Sitna, There will be contention and enmity as you're trying to follow the will of God. Why do you think that every time you go to pray with your spouse, you feel contention? Right? Like you can't all of a sudden. Like how come every time you share the gospel, you feel sitna? It's not just that you're afraid, family like there's something more that's going on maybe spiritual behind the physical surface in fact sitna or opposition or or enmity that's literally the same hebrew root word for satan And so there's Satan in the midst of this blessing. And so when you try to plant a well, Satan is likely going to attack you. There will be opposition. There will be Sitna. He is present there. In your life, almost every single good thing that you will ever try to do for the Lord, almost every single well that you will try to plant, there will be opposition or enmity that will try to get you to stop doing that, family. And so you try to kill sin in your life? Satan is present. You try to serve the church? Satan is present. You try to be pure? Sitna is right there with you. You try to overcome sorrow and be filled with the joy of the Lord? Isak is right there with you. You try to plant a gospel-centered church in the middle of a city? Here comes Sitna. You're trying to serve our kids in kids' ministry, a bunch of sitnas, right? I'm just kidding. Cut that from the recording, all right? That's how you go viral for the wrong reason, y'all, okay? Um, listen, every time you try to serve the Lord, opposition is likely right around the corner. Because as you try to push back darkness, darkness will push back, family. We say that all the time here. And so, So what does Isaac do in light of this opposition? He keeps going, right? He keeps planting. He keeps laboring. Look at the text that says, he dug another well. I love that. He just kept going, and he went and dug another well, and there was contention. He went and dug another well, and is like, here is God's blessing. This reminds me of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If you do not give up on your marriage in due season, you will reap, family. If you do not give up on your pursuit of whatever God has called you to in your life in due season, you will reap good if you do not give up. Isaac is fulfilling this as well. And by the way, when Isaac finally does get space back there in Genesis 26, he's not bitter either, right? He's not like, dang, God took you long enough. Shoot, right? because this whole time, this endeavor has not been about Isaac. It's been about the Lord. It's been about following the Lord's plans and the Lord's promises. Oh, y'all ain't with me there, right? And because this is God's plan, he can rightly rejoice in the delays to the completion of this plan. Y'all feel what I'm saying underneath that sentence? Right. If you are attempting to push back darkness and it's really just for you, like you're trying to prove yourself or establish yourself, then when opposition comes, you're likely going to get frustrated often at God himself and you will likely grow bitter and you'll quit. But if it's for the Lord, because you're following the path that God has you on anyway, even though it can still be really discouraging at times, as I'm sure Isaac felt as a human man, at the end of the result, the path that you are leading down will lead you to praise and to worshiping God, because it wasn't about you, it was for the Lord in the first place, family. (laughs) Hallelujah. Right? Listen, like we see that this is clearly about the Lord and for the Lord in Isaac's life. Why? Because when the Lord comes to him on that same night and blesses him, Isaac builds an altar to worship. He ain't mad at God. He's not like, man, it took you long enough, right? He doesn't just kind of move on like, hey, thanks for another blessing. I'll keep going. No, 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 no. He stops and he worships because he's doing this for the Lord, which, just a really quick, important sidebar. Verse 24, I love this verse, y'all. This is an aggressive sidebar. Uh, I'm going to circle around to the my servant idea in a minute. But, but notice that God calls Abraham my servant, right? Like, in doing this, God is associating himself with humans, Okay, he didn't say Abraham who serves me. He said Abraham is my servant, like he's my guy, like, like, like my dude, like I love this guy is what God is saying here. God in a sense is saying, hey, I chose this man and the same is true with you and I if we are believers in Jesus, God says you are mine. In other words, God is unashamed to be associated with you, sister in Christ. God is unashamed to call you a son, brother in Christ, despite all the messiness in your life. In fact, Christ intentionally came into the messiness to deliver you out of it because he was unashamed to be associated with you. You are his. He calls you mine. That is sacred, y'all. And so this is my servant that is happening here in this text as well. I pray that you would hear that and receive that, y'all. That God is unashamed to be associated with you. This story ties in with the well story more than just that Isaac was like building wells and that happens to be the name of our church. But I believe in a lot of ways it's a reflection of our church and I think a reflection of our personal life too if we would apply it individually. The question that we have to ask as a corporate church and as an individual in order to apply this text well is hey, what is the Lord calling you personally to dig up? What is he calling you to make pure again? And what area of your life is God calling you to remove the dirt to get back to the living water again? How is God calling you into a certain vision, maybe small, maybe big, maybe for your family, maybe for you, maybe for the entire world? Like, Like God is probably calling you to do something really similar. What does it look like to dig up, to remove the dirt once again? personally for me the lord told me hey like get back to the gospel to the riches of the bible Corporately as a church, we're thinking, okay, what does it look like to dig up the gospel, to see the gospel in every single text? What does it look like to highlight the excellencies and the worthies and and the majesty of Jesus? What does it look like to be a sacred community together that really love each other well? What does it look like to multiply ourselves a hundred times here and there? What does it look like to be a church that reflects the kingdom that is to come on earth as it will be in heaven? And we could go on and on as well. And there's going to be opposition, but as we patiently remove the dirt, I believe that we can drink the pure water of Christ. And in your life, there will probably be opposition, but as you patiently remove the dirt, I believe you also drink the pure waters of Christ, family. See, God is not just calling us personally, but I think individually, to bring some sort of renewal, like Isaac did, The scriptures are clear that every story is here for our benefit, for our encouragement, for our rebuke, for our challenge, that we may grow up in righteousness. So that means the story is here for us as well, not just to give you a history lesson. It is here that we may understand the springs of life again. And so in your relationships, in your gospel proclamations to the nations, in your own soul and life, how is God calling you to be like Isaac here, to remove the former dirt, To do the really hard work, y'all. Listen, I ain't never had no well in my life, right? But I really believe that this is probably some strenuous work, some annoying work to get all of the dirt out again. How do you rename things in their original name to to redeem them in a sense, to buy them back again the way that Isaac did? As I think about the well, y'all, I love that the story ends with Isaac doing what he knows how to do best. At the very end of this whole story, it just says, She built another well, once again, doing the same thing. And as we move into 10 plus years of our church, of the well, I'm bringing this up because really, we're going back to the old ways in many senses, or to say it maybe more directly and even positively, nothing has changed, y'all. Nothing has changed for our church. The, The mission is still the mission, and, and, and it has been from the start. And no matter what dirt is thrown into this water, it will forever be the same mission by God's grace, family. You see, the location is still the same. The idea of planting 100 churches is still the same. The, the vision of making disciples is still the same. The, the idea of reaching people who do not know Christ, that they would see that Jesus is their lover and their friend and their Lord and their master and their savior and their the beloved, to see God as father rightly, to build into the saints of Christ, that each of us will begin to look more like Jesus than we did a year ago and then we did 10 years ago, and that we would keep looking more like Jesus until we see him face to face. This is still the mission of the well, and it will never change by God's grace, family. We will be about making Jesus. We will be about exalting Jesus. We will be about highlighting the excellencies of Jesus. It will be, and it will forever be, not about any individual or about a church or even about the mission that we can do as a church. At the end of the day, it'll be about Jesus, family. This church will forever, by God's grace, please, Christ, let this be true, be about Jesus. And as this stays true, family, corporately, and as this stays true for you individually, where the main thing stays the main thing, where it's not just about having like an awesome marriage or, or a great vision on your life, but it becomes about Christ, As that becomes true in your life, as Jesus stays the main thing, I believe we get more of Jesus because he becomes our main thing. God is gracious, he often gives you the very thing that you pursue. The problem is most of us pursue worldly treasures over godly ones. But as we pursue Christ, he gives us himself, family. We see this in Isaac's life as well. In verse 24, it's often awesome because God confirms his promise to Isaac, but he also confirmed his presence to Isaac as well. He told Isaac, I am with you. Here I am in your presence, which was of way greater value. This is what Isaac needed to know, that God was with him despite the opposition that he was facing. And this is what Isaac wanted, God, which is why Isaac was able to endure. And I say this with confidence because look at verse 25 there as well. God shows up and Isaac, he pitches a tent there. Isaac wanted to be where God was. I pray we would forever be like that as individuals and as a church. God, where you are, put me there as well. I want to be where God is because he is my treasure. And as we individually and corporately keep this as our desire, we keep getting God as the result, family, We get more of Jesus. As we keep our eyes fixed, then we're looking to the very one that Isaac was pointing us to in this story. I asked y'all earlier, how is God calling you to be like Isaac, to dig wells? But if we're honest, at times, we have a really hard time being like Isaac. In fact, Isaac had a hard time being like Isaac, which is why Isaac is actually pointing us to to the greater one, Jesus. You see, Jesus is really the greater Isaac here, family. He's the greater pastor of the well as well, and the greater servant of the well. For as much as we serve and give to this church, I guarantee you Jesus gives one million times more. He's the greatest servant and the greatest shepherd, and he is the overseer of your life. You see, Jesus, too, continued to do the will of God despite the opposition that he faced, beloved, You see, as the Philistines were throwing dirt into Isaac's well, so too Christ got that same treatment. As he was doing the will of God, got dirt thrown on his face, and he felt the contention, not just from this ethereal Satan, but from Satan himself trying to destroy the plans of God. In fact, in verse 24, that that phrase, my servant, is only used for a couple of people in Scripture. It's used for Abraham, for Moses, for Joshua, for David, and then for the suffering servant, and Isaiah 53, also known as Jesus, you see, Abraham and Isaac, they were keeping their eyes on Christ, serving the Lord. But even if and when they did fail, which both of these brothers did, and even when you and I failed at keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, there is a greater servant that went before us that never failed, family of God. You see, he served God until death, despite the opposition that he was facing, so that when you and I tend to fail in the midst of opposition, we do not have to be our own saviors, but we thrive. Throw ourselves upon the greater savior, Jesus. Jesus died as the servant of God and then he resurrected so that you and I can actually serve God, family. You have the Holy Spirit now that empowers you to serve. This is what it looks like individually and corporately to follow Christ. He needs to be the main thing, beloved. He needs to be the main thing. And so what is God calling the will to for the next 10 years? We have to come to the business meeting to find out, Okay. But I can tell you, verse 18, all right, to close our time today, we're going to do the same thing, y'all, right? We're going to exalt the same name. We're going to fight with tooth and nail everything inside of us to not lose our first love. We're going to maintain making sure that what the original plan was to make much of Jesus maintains that same purpose as well because Christ is eternally worthy. And my prayer is, as we keep Jesus as the main thing, we keep getting Jesus as the result, family. I'm praying that individually, whatever plan God has you on, whatever path he has, however he's calling you to be like Isaac in this sense, that you would keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a church We would keep getting back to that clean water, to the pure water, to the springs of water, to the living water, Christ himself, that quenches every single thirst that you or I could ever have, beloved. It will forever be about Jesus, y'all. I pray that would be true in your life as well. Amen. Happy birthday, y'all. I love y'all. Amen. Let's pray, let's pray. Um, Christ, our sacred one, we love you. Um, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for all the ways that you have allowed us to drink living water throughout the course of this church of our time here. I thank you, Jesus, that you've done that for many of us in many different churches or with many different people or in many different settings because you're not just working here, you're doing all of this work to bring forth the glory of your name across the world, Jesus. And Christ, we just wanna be a part of that. I, I want to be a part of that. I want our church to be a part of that. I want you to be glorified. I want you to be exalted. Christ, I want it to be about you. I pray that would be true individually in our lives. Christ, I pray for each of us that stepped in here where, man, maybe you are not the main thing. Maybe we're wrestling with our identity or with purposelessness or with self-indulgence or maybe we don't even know you. I pray that you, Christ, would be our main thing, Jesus, that you would be our portion, that you would be our prize, that you would be our treasure, that you would be he who we adore, the one that our souls adore. Christ, forgive us corporately, forgive me individually, forgive us individually where we don't make you the main thing. But also thank you, Jesus, that as I say that, you do promise to forgive those who confess. You are faithful, you are just, you will refix our eyes because you love us. And so Christ, I pray for each of these women, each of these men that are here today that their eyes would refix on you again, Jesus. And as opposition and, and enmity as they come and, and try to steal our affections, even this week that we would fix our eyes on you again, Christ. And that as the years go on where the enemy tries to stop us from building the wells in our life, I pray that we would not grow weary of doing good, that we would not give up. Give these men and women perseverance, Christ us perseverance Jesus you are worthy of all praise of all power of all glory of all honor forever and ever Christ amen